Hello and welcome to another edition of Dual Candle Radio with Lenora Sarver. Stay tuned in. Hello everyone, welcome to the show. This uh, little segment right here is going to be weather and just other updates. Uh, first, let's get started. Um, a friend of mine, I think it was after last week's show, and they were listening in. Thank you, by the way. Thank you to everyone who's listening in. Um, but they sent me a, a link to someone else's show. And I'm not going to say who it was. I'm not going to say what the content was. But I had covered it on this show a couple months prior. And it was almost verbatim, but not as detailed. So I'm like, okay. But basically the ticker was, and why I'm even mentioning anything about it today. They start out with, no one's covering this topic. Well, yes, we are covering this topic. It's just just because we don't have a broader network is what you have. Um, trust me, the way God has this set up, if you are listening in, then you are somewhat chosen to. God has made a way for you to listen in. The connections have been made. Here we are. But I must warn you. Okay, using the same content, that's not issue but doing what I have been doing could be detrimental why well the best way I can refer back to this is after I prayed God was like just just tell him that not everybody has the anointing to do what you're doing there's been many people you know I've been doing this for 14 years now I'm still alive etc by the grace and hand of God okay bottom line it's not by myself. Um, and they failed miserably. And sometimes, you know, they got caught in some pretty hectic situations that if they would have just stayed in their lane, their line of what God had anointed on them, instead of trying to do what I'm doing, they would have been okay. But that's not the case for everybody. But basically, uh, God took me to Acts chapter 19 verse 13. Now, I'm not going to read the entire section of this because I'm pretty sure if you read this before, you know where it goes. But it says, then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took it upon themselves to pronounce the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. Now, in this particular story, in scripture. These people were trying to go and do what Paul did. They could not. Paul had the anointing to do what he did. They do not. The demons turn around and beat them. Okay. So be very careful. Stay within your anointing. Stay within your lane that God has you and you'll be fine. But me, on the other hand, God has me doing other things. And there's not a whole lot that scares me any more than not obeying him. So if you follow me, follow my love for God, my devotion, my not changing my mind mentality for God. If you're going to follow me, don't try and stand up and do what God has me doing because not everybody is anointed to be doing this. Just giving you a heads up. Now, with God... If he puts an anointing on your life, 
and you move forward with that in utter bold faith because that's what it takes a lot of people would not even touch half the stuff i'm doing and you know and my attitude has been if you're scared run away if you're worried for me and my life pray but here's what you don't need to be doing is worrying about whether if i'm going to be okay because i am god has got me in more ways than one this is where you have to literally trust him with your every fiber every substance so it's not necessarily the fact that they're trying to you know hitchhike off of content it's the fact that you need to be careful because the directions that god has me in isn't always going to be good news for you later on i already know what he has for me and it's horrendous but i'm ready for it but yet are you you know i remember um years ago i had my blog talk show and it didn't matter who was on the other end of that phone i picked them up and i would prophesy it didn't matter who it was and it was well right on from what i know from what i've saw from what i've been told but yet there's other people that i've watched on stage in front of a church taking phone calls and they're sitting there prophesying you know well you should probably fix things with your grandma and then they say on the other end of the phone well my grandma's been dead how am i supposed to do that they failed not everyone is going to be able to walk out their call like me or like another person who has an individual call stay in your lane focus on the anointing god has for you and rock it out in your own way yes you can look to others to lead you but it will not be your final destination in a lot of ways so with that let's get on to what else i have going on here today because this is going to be kind of interesting okay as far as the weather i have not had any other major updates except for hurricanes are getting ready to lose their season we've already saw you know over this past week how tornadoes are showing up and this is just out of season for them but here they are setting down in february folks with everything going on especially with climate nothing is regular and nothing will stay the same be ready whenever we have the hot and cold back and forth like what we've had um that's gonna last a little bit longer until summer takes over we will have storms because of the hot and the cold colliding collide it's just you have tornadoes whenever you have that or you have other types of storms but either way one thing i want you to know because one of the things that god was literally showing me that i was having questions about i was like wait a minute lord how in the world are you going to get it to rain when it's been so cold the last week or how is it supposed to snow whenever it's been 80 degrees god defies all understanding of what we think according to what how we've been raised that would happen because one of the things you'll find out whenever you do come to god is everything you have learned in this world you end up unlearning to relearn him his ways so if you're feeling challenged on that level right now understand this is how he goes about things 
Yet, I wouldn't put anything past God. Because he works in very amazing ways, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out anything at this point. Then, I went into prayer over the CDC. I was, I was curious to see what all he meant. Like, how are we supposed to get, you know, 20, 50 plus viruses, sicknesses, illnesses, whatever. Um, and after praying, I was, you know, doing my daily checkup on the news stories and feeds and stuff like that. And I run across a news story in Imperial Beach. It is CBS 8, San Diego. And it says... 14.5 billion gallons of raw sewage. Whew! Trash flood the Tijuana River Valley. And then I sat there for a minute and I'm like, whoa. He goes, immediately after I'm sitting there and I'm baffled and I'm surprised and I'm shocked and I'm like, oh my goodness, what is coming? He goes, now you put some heat with this. And that's what's coming. And this is going to multiply. So, folks, get it clean. Get it sanitary as much and as fast as possible. When I read this, I was floored. Literally floored. And this was published, in case you guys want to look it up. See what I'm talking about here. Um... January 25th, 2024. With all these storms, with all this flooding. And the whole time I'm praying, I kept getting visions of like wormwood, poisoning the waters, stuff like that. And I'm like, oh boy. <clears throat> and believe it or not, this is kind of, you know, how it spreads is through waterways, stuff like that. So, do what you can to prepare. And protect your family, you know, do what you have to do. The next update, besides that, is I was also praying about the Indian Ocean. Because I remember a couple months ago, whenever God had me to release uh, the Pacific Ocean, was getting ready to wake up. And I really didn't look much into it. I just thought, well, okay. And then I got on here, spoke it out. Yeah, the Pacific Ocean definitely woke up like it was uh, overly active. But, you know, I was thinking last week, because whenever I prayed before the show, that's when God had told me about the Indian Ocean, and then I'd almost forgot in the weather updates, and then I prayed again before the last segment, he goes, uh, you need to get that in there. So I did. Talked about the Indian Ocean. Well, I was thinking, or tempted to think, that it was going to be just like the Pacific Ocean, but he didn't tell me specifically what details were there. So I'm like, okay, what should I do? He says, I just need you to do a search of it. Check out the news stories. See what's going on. So I did. I didn't notice any climate issues immediately. Because that was, to be honest, that was kind of what I was expecting after hearing, hearing that. But I noticed something else instead. <clears throat> Yahoo News, four days ago. Iran, China, and Russia to hold joint Navy war games in Indian Ocean. Yeah. 
Then we have I mean, if you just look up and down the news stories here, there's quite a bit of activity. And I knew that the countries were going to pull together and test out some things. You know, that's been in the news quite a bit. Um, They're saying BRICS nations, you know, and all that. We're going to get together. And then I had to pray again. I was like, okay, Lord, what are you doing? He goes, I just want you to get on there and mention today that I, the Lord, your God, I'm going to be there. And I tell you what, I threw my phone and ran around my house for a couple times, just screaming like, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. And he is purposely leaving a lot of this mysterious. Enjoy. But what I did get out of it is if you wanted to test out any military exercises according to your weather, etc., now would be the time to do that. I'm sure God will let you know what's working and what's not. And we have other updates that I think it was um, back in the fall when I was prophesying about the homeless situation and how um, our homeless situation would be more increased. Um, This is getting worse and worse. And I'm looking over a lot of the news stories and the stats right now. I mean, you have a combination of people losing their assistance, losing their welfare, losing a lot of their support, and either losing their jobs or they're losing their homes to these insane catastrophic storms that we've had. And they're made to be homeless because they don't have anything else. No safety nets, no family that can help them or else their family has been affected. This is really getting dangerous and detrimental. So I am encouraging whoever is listening, who has the options to take a stand, present more opportunities for the American people, not just the immigrants. Okay. If the American people could get just a chunk of what these immigrants are getting, I'm sure they would be happy, but this is our country and we need to be looking after our own first and then everybody else, if we have anything left, but there's no priority there. So now our American people are made to suffer relentlessly without any backup plan, no safety net, nothing. So I am encouraging, I am calling forth those people who have the power to make a difference with this and bring together strategies, game plans to help these people. They are at their ends and you can only push these people so far before they flip the coin and take another direction. And normally eight times out of 10, that's rather vengeful. So we can avoid this by stepping up towns, cities, governments, whichever, and assisting. This should be top priority.
Unfortunately, it's not. But I'm going to keep this in my prayers. Um, and those of you who are, say, for example, you don't have a church you, you donate to, find a shelter in your area. Start donating there. A lot of the shelters, like here in uh, Northeast Ohio, say, for example, the company matches it. Or you're knowing in advance exactly what you're paying for before you make the donation. It could be 10 meals. It could be a couple showers. It could be clothing. It could be education, whatever. Not everybody has it set up like that, but that is the dire need right now. So if you're looking for a place to give, if you're looking for a place to extend your generosity, your kindness, your heart, find a shelter and start paying in. Not only will God bless it, but you will be helping this crisis that we're experiencing. I would say it's going to get better, but unfortunately to get the overhead's attention, it's going to have to get a little bit worse and outweigh the loudness of, oh, our economy is great right now, but then we have so many homeless. So where is the economy here? Is it for the numbers? Is, is it for show? What about the homeless people? These people need to be taken care of. It is our duty to step up and do what we can. But that concludes this first segment. Be right back. Now for the Israel update. I've been watching, I've got uh, one of my weather apps set to watch over the Israel weather. The same band of protection that I had prayed years ago over Southern California and Cleveland that I ended up having to lift last summer God has allowed me to pray and study over Israel in Jerusalem. So this way, all this climate stuff will hopefully just go around you. Um, I prayed and I asked about the rain. He slowed it. But basically, you're going to have a very beautiful time coming up. And this rain is going to contribute to that. So that is going to be amazing. A lot of blooms, a lot of just God's beauty surrounding you. So praise him. Get ready. It's going to be an amazing thing. I did finally get an answer back um, about the prayers that I lifted up. And I was asking God, like, why don't you give me more details about where the hostages are? You know, stuff like that. He goes, there's a reason why I didn't. He says, I know my people. My people will search everything and they will not leave one single rock, stone, etc. unturned. He says, I did not because I wanted them to know what was living and thriving and being produced next to them. The more they dug in the tunnels, the more operations they found, the more they searched, the more they uncovered. This information had to be known, not just for today's hostages, but the future of the people. So these 
days that we're going through right now. We still, you know, don't have all of our hostages left. I even have prophecies pinned up waiting to speak out until these people are accounted for. Until that time comes to pass. I gotta keep that inside and it burns. It burns. But that's why he has not given more information. He wants the people, his people, to know what the enemy has been doing right next to them. So, keep moving forward. Prayers will be answered. God is with you. And he will give you the victory. Stand strong. No wavering. And keep praising him in the midst of all this. That is the key to your happiness. That is the key to unlocking the bondages that has been placed over you. Now that part right there is not just for Israel and Jerusalem alone. This is for Jews around the world. Stand strong. Because this is what we have over the rest of the world. Our God is real. He lives. He pays very close attention. If he can number the hairs on your head, what else can he do? He loves you. That concludes the segment. So today, I was uh, watching the news before I started getting my notes and stuff together to record. And I noticed they had a news story that just made me question stuff. <clears throat> and this is from Yahoo News as well. It was actually Friday, February 9th, 2024. And basically it says, married people are more happy than those who aren't, the study says. And I had to stop for a second. You know, I don't know about that. Because, you know, I, I know a lot of married people and they're happy to an extent. And then you have some that just kind of coexist there isn't any real happiness. It's just this one has its own thing and the other one does his own thing or they argue or they try to keep things out under wrap or they look like they have it all together but behind closed doors, it's a train wreck. Um, I have to challenge this article because I tell you what, I have been single for I don't know, 10 years, practically, and I have never been any more happier than now. I have zero drama, zero arguments. Uh, yeah, there's nobody to, you know, talk to, you know, except for my friends and stuff like that. You know, you find ways to fill the void if that's what you're trying to fill. But God, Yeshua, ultimately is the one who fills this. So if you have an empty place inside of you, Let the Holy Spirit fill that. But to say that every single person out there is just more miserable than married people, not necessarily. Because there's a couple laws that 
Yeshua honors for a person to be remarried. And that's the death of the first husband, wife, and also adultery. And that's what I dealt with with my first marriage, was adultery. And he liked my best friend better than me. Yeah. But, needless to say, it seemed, but later to be found out, it was a deception. It seemed at the time like it was, you know, that white picket fence marriage. You know, I had everything I wanted, etc. But now, did I see how everything ended and I look back? Not a chance. Not a chance. And a lot of people, they feel like if they just heap themselves to somebody, you know, just give me somebody so I can love them, blah, 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 that's going to answer everything. Not necessarily. A lot of the stuff that you feel that would be fixed if you had somebody else in your life, you could be fixing now. And, you know, I read over this article, it says adults who are married are happier than those who aren't, according to the new Gallup poll. The study says married adults ages 25 to 50 are 17% more likely to be thriving than adults who never married up from 12% in 2009. Now, you read that little paragraph right there. That would lead more to an economic upturn than an upturn of natural love. And maybe I'm old-fashioned, but I was always taught to believe that marriage was for love. Not to get rich, not to make sure that, you know, if you fall, you have someone to help you up, etc. You know, and scripture says... Two are better than one. That way, if one falls, the other one can help them up. That is scriptural. But when you read this, it's implying that, oh, if you're single, you're going to be broke. Well, guess what? I'm single. Things aren't the best all the time, but I make it. Everything's paid on time. Everything's taken care of. And it's not because I waited to let somebody else come over and do it for me. I drug myself up when I didn't feel like it, when I didn't want to do it, and adulted, pushed through, to get it done. And I still don't wait for somebody to come and do what I know I can get up and go do. But you have to question, is this really about love? Well, then it says, while it might not be a significant percentage, it has fluctuated between 2009 and 2023, ranging from a low 12% to a high of 24%. Both married men and married women have a higher well-being of 20% compared to their other peers who never married. The same is true even when race is a factor, including American Indian, Asian, Black, Hispanic, multiracial, and white. You know, love knows no color. So they really don't even have to divide it down into, well, this particular color of people would get married quicker and faster, etc. But if, you know, say for example, the Indians, they're usually married off. All their stuff is planned, so they don't even really have a chance for love. Basically, the parents go before the child and say, hey, I will give you my daughter for your son, etc. And they plan their marriages like that. So not all marriage 
is created for one under God, God's design. For two, from love, a lot of it is arrangements. A lot of it is to ensure that you have a good retirement or something along those lines. Love is usually the last on the line. But yet, here we have Valentine's Day coming up. To be honest, I quit celebrating Valentine's Day years ago, especially whenever I found out. I mean, it's not the fact that it's a pagan holiday, you know, and pretty much all pagan holidays, I just threw out the window, threw out the door. I don't even own a Christmas tree. Come on, get out of here with this mess. So Valentine's Day is not much different to me because to me, it's just another day. I'll be working. Whoop-de-doo. Hey, my bills will be paid. Ain't got no drama. I'm happy. Happy. <laughs> but I'm looking over um, another article here, and it's um history channel. And it says, The History of Valentine's Day. And this was actually written December 22nd, 2009. And then it talks about Valentine's Day occurs every February 14th. In 2024, Valentine's Day falls on a Wednesday across the United States and in other places around the world. Candy, flowers, and gifts are exchanged between loved ones all in the name of St. Valentine. Okay, where's love? Oh, that's right. Their definition of love probably isn't the same as God's. Ah, about that. Then it goes on to say, But who is this mysterious saint and where did these traditions come from? Find out about the meaning and the history of Valentine's Day from the ancient Roman ritual. Aha! And that, a welcome spring to the card-giving customs of Victorian England. So this is a legend of St. Valentine. This is, where did Valentine's Day originate from? The history of the holiday and the story of its patron saint is shrouded in mystery. We do know that February has long been celebrated as a month of romance. And that St. Valentine's Day, as we know it today, contains vestiges of both Christian and ancient Roman tradition. But who was St. Valentine and how did he become associated with this ancient rite? Aside from this article, another reason why I stopped celebrating pagan holidays is because you, if you look back and you do the research, you see how much junk has been heaped upon Christians. And they've just rolled with it. They haven't questioned it. You know, they just rolled with it. And this is another one. And they say it's a celebration of romance. But yet, if you are in a marriage with someone and you only have eyes for them and you're loyal, giving them, you know, you're 110%, then you should be looking for ways to celebrate each other every day, not just February 14th. Okay, let's keep things real. We don't need a holiday to remind us of our responsibility in looking after each other and taking care of one another. But a lot of people, they just slide it off to that day so they can stay wrapped up in all their stuff and then, well, my partner will understand. Yeah, that's the approach that so many people are are doing because they wait for one day to get it all done when I encourage you celebrate each other every day
because every day is not promised. God does not give us every day. And if he's giving you tomorrow, it's because he's not done with you yet. But he doesn't have to. So appreciate, celebrate, and hold dear to your hearts the now, the beauty of the now. And then you'll be okay. But then it goes on to say the Catholic Church recognizes at least three different saints named Valentine or Valentinus, all of whom were martyred. One legend contends that Valentine was a priest who served during the third century in Rome when Emperor Claudius II decided that single men made better soldiers than those with wives and family. He outlawed marriage for young men. Valentine, realizing the injustice of the decree, defied Claudius and continued to perform marriages for young lovers in secret. When Valentine's actions were discovered, Claudius ordered that he be put to death. Still others insist that it was St. Valentine of Turning, a bishop who was the true namesake of the holiday. He too was beheaded by Claudius II outside Rome. So as you can tell, things weren't faring so well for these Valentines. And it goes on to say, other stories suggest that Valentine may have been killed for attempting to help Christians escape harsh Roman prisons, where they were often beaten and tortured. According to one legend in Imprisoned Valentine, actually sent the first Valentine greeting himself after he fell in love with a young girl, possibly his jailer's daughter, who visited him during his confinement. Before his death, it is alleged that he wrote her a letter signed from your Valentine, an expression that is still in use today. Although the truth behind the Valentine legends is murky, the stories all emphasize his appeal as a sympathetic, heroic, and most importantly, romantic figure. By the Middle Ages, perhaps, thanks to this reputation, Valentine would become one of the most popular saints in England and France. Then it goes on to say the origins of Valentine's Day, a pagan festival. Yeah. In February. I could totally go with more of this article, but I think you get the gist that he was trying to defy the decrees and ended up losing his life in the process. Either way, God wasn't in any of this. You can try to say you were saving the Christians. You can try to, you know, sugarcoat it. You can try to do whatever. If God was in this, things would be different. But yet, we have the world's ways and we have God's ways. And the more the world evolves, the more it literally takes God out of everything. You look around now. People don't say Jesus. They say his name. They describe him in music and in entertainment. But his name is hardly spoken. And then you have many, you know, Christian artists, etc. Well, you can get up there. You can go as far as you can with your gift. But don't say Jesus. Don't say it. But they wanted that, so they went ahead and did what they were told. (laughs) I don't know about you all, but I still got to answer to God when I'm all done here. And I think that's going to be my main focus over pleasing and serving and bending to everyone else. Hallelujah. But yet, 
what would God's original design be? Like, does he want us celebrating Valentine's Day? Are we to celebrate martyrs? Call it love for our spouses. Fill up on chocolate. Do whatever else. For one day out of the year. Mm. No thanks. I'll stick with the uh, Jewish holidays. Because at least I know God honors that. And he will actually bless that. God doesn't have to honor holidays that we make up. Especially if he's not in it. Or if it's derived from some pagan tradition or festival. God doesn't have to honor that. I know it's kind of surprising for some people. But hey, don't take on a heavier yoke than what is already there. Take on his yoke because it is much lighter. And if people only realize the, the prisons that they put themselves in, I think they would reassess and take a different route. Either way. I like how... <clears throat> I looked up this question, um, God's design for marriage, and I looked it up and got questions. Your questions biblically answered. Okay, so this is the answer. The Bible nowhere explicitly states at what point God considers a man and a woman to be married. Due to the Bible's silence on this matter, identifying the precise moment a man and a woman are married in God's eyes is a complex undertaking. Here are the three most common viewpoints. Number one, God only considers a man and a woman married when they have legally married. That is, when they become husband and wife in the eyes of the law. Number two, a man and a woman are married in God's eyes when they have completed some kind of formal wedding ceremony involving covenant vows. Mm -hmm. Number three, God considers a man and a woman to be married at the moment they engage in behind-closed-doors activity. Let's put it like that. Let's look at these three views and evaluate the strengths and weaknesses of each. Now, I like how they say the Bible isn't clear. Well, if you're translating it into several other languages and you aren't getting a proper translation, you have a right to be confused because you're not doing it the way God designed. But if you're keeping it in the context of what the original writings were, and that would be in Hebrew, you're going to get more depth, more meaning, clearer direction, and get the answers you need to make educated decisions. It goes on to say here, God only considers a man and a woman married <clears throat> when they are legally married. The scripture supports uh, typically given for this view is the command to obey the government's laws. This is Romans chapter 13 verses 1 through 7. 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 17. The argument is that if the government requires certain procedures and paperwork to be com completed, before a marriage is recognized, then a couple should submit themselves to that process. It is definitely biblical for a couple 
to submit to the government as long as the requirements do not contradict God's word and are reasonable. Okay. Then it goes on to say, Romans chapter 13 verses 1 and 2 tells us, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, and there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Folks, aside from this, we are in a time where traditional marriage with a man and woman is being challenged. They want to rule it out. Because if it's going to be binding and suffering on other people who don't want to live for God, they don't want to submit to God, then they want to eradicate the initial design. Hence, to bring forth same sex, bring forth other means of marriage that God did not design. But the more we move away from God, the more types of marriages that will come on the scene. And eventually, you'll just be shacking up. Marriage will be a thing of the past. Unless you're of an older generation and you have some kind of traditional idea of what marriage should be. But yet, this is where we're headed when it comes to that. And as we evolve... Because we're steadily evolving in this direction. Away from God, away from his plan, away from his design for life. Because since he created the world, he created us. He knows what it takes for us to actually be happy and full of love. Content. Cup runneth over. He knows what type of circumstance and criteria to put in place to get that done. But those who are moving away from him, they're going to have to pioneer and then hope five years later that that's what they really wanted. It's very challenging. Then it goes on to say, however, there are some weaknesses and potential problems with this view. First, marriage existed before any government was organized. For thousands of years, people were getting married with no such thing as a marriage license. Second, even today, there are some countries that have no governmental recognition of marriage and or no legal requirements for marriage. Third, there are some governments that place unbiblical requirements on a marriage before it is legally recognized. As an example, some countries require weddings to be held in a Catholic church according to the Catholic teachings and overseen by a Catholic priest. Obviously, for those who have strong disagreements with the Catholic Church and Catholic understanding of marriage as a sacrament, it would be unbiblical to submit to being married in the Catholic Church. Fourth, to make a legitimacy of the marriage union solely dependent on government statutes is to indirectly sanction the statutory definition of marriage, which may fluctuate. Okay, originally before there was governments, there was rabbis, there was priests, there was leaders that God raised up and put in place to watch over the people. You look at Moses, Moshe. You know, he was raised up to not only deliver the Jewish people, but to look over them, take care of them. 
and go around the mountain for 40 years with him. Yeah. It wasn't an easy task, but he would raise up one who was willing to be obedient at all costs, no matter what was in their face. And that's what it was before governments. So that's just something to take into consideration. But then it goes on to say number two, a man and a woman are married to God's eyes when they have completed some kind of some kind of formal wedding ceremony. Some interpreters understand God's bringing Eve to Adam. Genesis chapter 2, verse 22. As God's overseeing the first wedding ceremony, the modern practice of the father giving away his daughter at a wedding reflects God's action in Eden. In John chapter 2, Jesus attended a wedding ceremony. Jesus would not have attended such an event if he did not approve of what was occurring. Jesus' presence at the wedding ceremony by no means indicates that God requires a wedding ceremony, but it does indicate that a wedding ceremony is acceptable in God's sight. Nearly every culture in the history of humanity has observed some kind of formal wedding ceremony. In every culture, there is an event, action, covenant, vow, or proclamation that is recognized as declaring a man and a woman to be married. Now, Basically, if you keep God first and you go before God in front of the pastor, preacher, priest, however, and you make a promise to each other in front of God, that is what God is holding you to. Okay? Just just so you know. Because for some reason, people can't seem to get this particular part straight. But I tell you right now, if you, if you for example, were to study the Jewish weddings you would have an extremely in-depth understanding of Yeshua's return just by observing Jewish weddings. Food for thought. And it goes on to say number three, God considers a man and a woman to be married at the moment they engage in intercourse. There are some who take this to be to mean that a married couple is not truly married in God's eyes until they have consummated the marriage physically. Others argue that if any man and woman have this type of activity, God considers the two of them to be married. Ooh. The basis for this view is the fact that sexual intercourse between a man or between a husband and a wife is the ultimate fulfillment of the one flesh principle and it says here, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, Matthew chapter 19, verse 5, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. In this sense, the intercourse is the final seal on the marriage covenant. However, the view that intercourse constitute marriage is not biblically sound. If a couple is legally and ceremonially married, but for some reason is unable to engage, that couple is still considered marriage or married. Now, I know some people who they're older and then we have some people that, you know, they just have disabilities. They can't do things like everybody else can. And, you know, they worried like, is my marriage going to be final because we didn't consummate it? And it's like, yes, yes, God sees where you're at. And actually your marriage is going to be more pure than half these other people. 
and these other people who are tripping up just dating this one, dating that one, and, and you know, doing whatever behind closed doors without being serious and respectful of yourself and them. That is not marriage. That is fornication. Okay? Well, we'll keep it the way it is. But yet, a lot of people say, well, that's how you become one flesh. Well, guess what? You become one flesh after you've done things God's way. You go before, you say your vows, <clears throat> you uphold them by honoring God first. He's, he's already put in scripture how the household is to be set up. God first, then the husband, then the wife. And he is also put within how the husband is supposed to treat the wife, how the wife is supposed to attend the husband. That is already set in place. So this should be no mystery. It's only a mystery to those who are trying to justify sin in their lives. You know, if, if you are moved by the spirit of lust, you're going to have a very hard time understanding God's love. You're going to have a very hard understanding in promoting purity in the marriage bed or just love in your life, period. You will be the ones who will be drawn away by your lust, by your temptations, because of what is within that you have not cast out. You know, right now, you know, we had a news story uh, last night. It was talking about Valentine's Day scams. Well, you're drawn away by the lust of the flesh because that's what you allow to be dwelling within you. Understand. Is when you come to know God's love, that's not the same love you've been taught all your life. This is a different type of love. This is the long-burning love. This love is there's not a bit of perversion in it understand this so to do this without going before god and making a promise and a vow before god that you will love this person you will cherish this person into a depth to you part understand the process yes there is grace but it's not to be used for our own ways, folks. We've got to do things God's way so we can basically get God's blessing. But yet, here we are, mass confusion, trying to cover up sin, trying to, you know, self-justify pornography or fornication. And there's a, an array of things that people try to get around without repenting, without taking accountability. Either way, you do things God's way, and you will get God's blessing. You don't? Well, then, just like what it says in this article right here, you bring judgment upon yourself. So, to the main message is when you have God, He will teach you His ways. You just need to still and quiet yourself long enough to be a student let him discipline you. Let him slow you. Let him show you over time his ways and how he does things and how you will receive the ultimate blessing for moving forward. Being single is not that bad. It's actually a blessing in many ways. So don't take on that pressure 
from what you hear in the news outlets, what you hear the people around you that, oh, you're living the most horrible life because you're not married. No, it can be an extremely beautiful situation. Just remember, your happiness is your choice. You have to get up every morning and you have to choose and be promise yourself, I am going to be happy. And then walk it out. It is not depending on what you have or what you don't have in your life, folks. Keep God first and you'll never go wrong. Be right back.